0: Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a calming bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. Our sleep story is the next chapter of Peter Pan. Wendy and the boys have been tied up and taken to the pirate ship. Peter was sleeping while Hook snuck in and put a potion in his medicine. When Peter woke up to a tapping on the door, it turned out to be Tinkerbell. She drank the potion to save Peter, and when she was okay again, Peter left to go and find Wendy and the boys. Will he be able to save them? But before we continue with our story, let's take a moment to relax. We can practice our deep breathing anytime or anywhere. But before bed, let's first turn down the lights, get comfortable, and make sure that everything feels as it should. Now close your eyes if you'd like, and we'll begin with a few slow, deep belly breaths. Each time you breathe in, breathe all the way down into your belly. When you breathe in, be sure to slowly breathe through your nose. And when you breathe out, Try to push all the air out of your lungs. Breathe in. And breathe out. Notice how you feel when you take these deep breaths. How you get more and more relaxed with each breath. How the weight of your body sinks into the bed. Breathe in. And breathe out. Throughout this time of relaxation and our story, thoughts of the day or the day to come may enter your mind. That's okay and normal. When they come, just try to return your attention to your breathing, to the story and music. Breathe in. And breathe out perfect let's continue with chapter 10 of Peter Pan though a light from the one lamp shone dimly on the bed hook stood in darkness himself and at the first stealthy step forward discovered an obstacle the door of Slightly's tree it did not entirely fill the hole and hook had been looking over it feeling for the catch he found to his fury that it was low down beyond his reach was his enemy to escape him after all But what was that? The red in his eye had caught sight of Peter's medicine standing on the ledge within easy reach. He understood what it was right away, and immediately he knew that the sleeper was in his power. Five drops of a potion, Hook now added to Peter's cup. His hand shook. He avoided looking at the sleeper so that he wouldn't spill the potion. Then he took one long look and turning, wormed his way with difficulty up the tree. As he emerged at the top, he looked very suspicious breaking from the tree. Donning his hat at its most rakish angle, he wound his cloak around him, holding one end in front as if to hide his person from the night, and muttering to himself, stole away through the trees. Peter slept on. The light flickered and went out, leaving the house in darkness. But still, he slept. It must have been not later than 10 o'clock when he suddenly sat up in his bed, awakened by he knew not what. It was a soft, cautious tapping on the door of his tree. Peter felt for his weapon till his hand gripped it, and then he spoke. Who is that? For a long time, there was no answer. Then again, the knock. Who are you? No answer. He was thrilled, and he loved being thrilled. In two strides, he reached his door. Unlike Slightly's door, it filled the hole so that he could not see beyond it. Nor could the one knocking see him. I won't open unless you speak, Peter cried. Then at last the visitor spoke in a lovely bell-like voice. Let me in, Peter. It was Tink, and quickly he opened the door for her. She flew in excitedly. Her face flushed and her dress stained with mud what is it oh you could never guess she cried and offered him three guesses out with it he shouted and in one jumbled sentence she told of the capture of Wendy and the boys Peter's heart bobbed up and down as he listened Wendy bound and on the pirate ship? I'll rescue her, he cried. As he leapt, he thought of something he could do to please her. He could take his medicine. His hand closed on the bottle. No, shrieked Tinkerbell, who had heard Hook muttering about putting the potion in the bottle as he sped through the forest. Why not? It's not okay. Not okay? But Wendy left it. Who could have done something to it? Hook. Don't be silly. How could Hook have gotten down here? Alas, Tinkerbell could not explain this, for even she did not know the secret of Slightly's tree. Nevertheless, Hook's words had left no room for doubt. Besides, said Peter, quite believing himself, I never fell asleep. He raised the cup. No time for words now, time for deeds. And with one of her lightning movements, Tink got between him and the medicine and drank it all to the bottom. Why, Tink, how dare you drink my medicine? but she did not answer already she was reeling in the air what is the matter with you cried Peter suddenly afraid it was not good Peter she told him softly and now I am going to sleep forever oh Tink did you drink it to save me yes but why Tink Her wings could scarcely carry her now, but in reply, she landed on Peter's shoulder and gave his chin a loving bite. She whispered in his ear and then went to her room and lay down on the bed. Peter's head almost filled the fourth wall of her little room as he knelt near her. Every moment, her light was growing fainter and he knew that if it went out, she would be no more. She liked his tears so much that she put out her beautiful finger and let them run over it. Her voice was so low that at first he could not make out what she said. Then he understood. She was saying that she thought she could get well again If children believed in fairies, Peter flung out his arms. There were no children there, and it was nighttime. But he addressed all who might be dreaming of the Neverland, and who were therefore nearer to him than you think boys and girls in their 90s. Do you believe? he cried. Tink sat up in bed almost briskly to listen. She fancied she heard answers say yes, and then again she wasn't sure. What do you think? She asked Peter. If you believe, he shouted to them, clap your hands, don't let Tink go. Many clapped. The clapping stopped suddenly as if countless mothers had rushed to the rooms to see what on earth was happening. But already Tink was saved. First, her voice grew strong. Then she popped out of bed. Then she was flashing through the room more merry and bold than ever. She never even thought of thanking those who believed. And now, To rescue Wendy the moon was riding in a cloudy sky when Peter rose from his tree to set out upon his quest it was not such a night as he would have chosen he had hoped to fly keeping not far from the ground so that nothing unusual should escape his eyes But in that fitful light to have flown low would have meant trailing his shadow through the trees, thus disturbing the birds and acquainting a watchful foe that he was astir. He regretted now that he had given the birds of the island such strange names that they are very wild and difficult. There was no other course but to press forward. But in what direction? For he could not be sure that the children had been taken to the ship. A slight fall of snow had covered all footmarks, and a silence pervaded the island. He had taught the children something of the forest lore that he himself, had learned from Tiger Lily and Tinkerbell, and knew that in their dire hour, they were not likely to forget it. Slightly, if he had had an opportunity, would blaze the trees, for instance. Curly would drop seeds and Wendy would leave her handkerchief at some important place. But morning was needed to search for such guidance, and he could not wait. The upper world had called him, but would give no help. Now he crawled forward like a snake, and again standing up, he darted across a space on which the moonlight played, one finger on his lips he was frightfully happy. One green light squinting over Kid's Creek, which is near the mouth of the Pirate River, marked where the brig, the Jolly Roger, lay low in the water. She was wrapped in the blanket of night, through which no sound from her could have reached the shore. There was little sound and none agreeable save the whirr of the ship's sewing machine at which Shmi sat. A few of the pirates leaned over the sides drinking in the stink of the night. Others sprawled by barrels over games of dice and cards. And the exhausted four who had carried the little house lay flat on the deck where even in their sleep, they rolled skillfully to this side or that to keep out of Hook's reach. Hook trod the deck in thought. It was his hour of triumph. Peter had been removed forever from his path, and all the other boys were on the ship, about to walk the plank. But there was no happiness in his gait, which kept pace with the actions of his serious mind. Hook was profoundly crushed. He was often thus when communing with himself on board ship in the quiet of the night. It was because he was so terribly alone. But don't feel bad for Hook. No little children love me. Strange that he should think of this, which had never troubled him before. Perhaps the sewing machine brought it to his mind. For long he muttered to himself, staring at Smee, who was hemming placidly under the conviction that all the children feared him. Feared him? Feared Smee? There was not a child on board the ship that night who did not already love him. He had said horrible things to them, but they had only clung to him the more. Michael had even tried on his glasses. To tell poor Smee that they thought him lovable, Hook itched to do it. But it seemed too mean. Instead, he thought about this mystery in his mind. Why do they find Smee lovable? He pursued the problem like a sleuth hound that he was. If Smee was lovable, what was it that made him so? Are all the children chained so that they cannot fly away? Aye, aye. Then hoist them up. The wretched prisoners were dragged from the hold, all except Wendy, and ranged in line in front of him. For a time, he seemed unaware of their presence. He lounged at his ease, humming and fingering a pack of cards. Now, then, he said briskly, six of you walk the plank tonight, but I have room for two cabin boys. Which of you is it to be? Don't irritate him unnecessarily had been Wendy's instructions in the hold. So Tootles stepped forward politely. Tootles didn't like the idea of signing under such a man, but an instinct told him, that it would be prudent to lay the responsibility on an absent person. And though a somewhat silly boy, he knew that mothers alone are always willing to be the buffer. All children know this about mothers. So Toodle explained prudently. You see, sir, I don't think my mother would like me to be a pirate. Would your mother like you to be a pirate slightly? He winked at Slightly, who said sadly, I don't think so. As if he wished things would be otherwise. Would your mother like you to be a pirate twin? I don't think so, said the first twin as clever as the others. Nibs would stow this gab, roared Hook and the spokesmen were dragged back. You, boy, he said, addressing John. You look as if you have a little pluck in you. Did you never want to be a pirate, my hearty? Now John had sometimes experienced this hankering at maths and he was struck by Hook picking him out. I once thought of calling myself Red-Handed Jack, he said. And a good name too. We'll call you that here if you join. What do you think, Michael? asked John. What would you call me if I joined? Michael demanded. Blackbeard Joe. Michael was naturally impressed. What do you think, John? He wanted John to decide and John wanted him to decide. Will we still be respectful subjects of the King? John asked. Through Hook's teeth came the answer. You would have to say, down with the king. Perhaps John had not behaved very well so far, but he shone out now. Then I refuse, he cried, banging the barrel in front of Hook. And I refuse, cried Michael. That seals your doom. Bring up their mother and get the plank ready. They were only boys and they went white as they saw Jukes and Seiko preparing the plank, but they tried to look brave when Wendy was brought up. No words of mine can tell you how Wendy despised those pirates. To the boys, there was at least some glamor in the pirate calling but all that she saw was that the ship had not been scrubbed for years. There was not a porthole on the grimy glass of which you might have not written with your finger, and she had already written on several. But as the boys gathered round her, she had no thought, of course, save for them. So, my beauty, said Hook, as if he spoke in syrup, you are to see your children walk the plank. Are they? Asked Wendy with a look of such frightful contempt that he nearly fainted. They are? He snarled. Silence all, he called for a mother's last words to her children. At this moment, Wendy was grand. "'These are my last words, dear boys,' she said firmly. "'I feel that I have a message to you from your real mothers, and it is this. "'We hope our sons will always be like gentlemen.' "'Even the pirates were awed, and Tootles cried out hysterically, "'I am going to do what my mother hopes. What are you doing, Nibs?' "'What my mother hopes, what are you going to do, twin?' "'What my mother hopes, John, what are...?' But Hook had found his voice again. "'Tie her up,' he shouted. It was Smee who tied her to the mast. "'See here,' he whispered. "'I'll save you if you promise to be my mother.' "'But not even for Smee would she make such a promise.' I would almost rather have no children at all, she said. It is sad to know that not a boy was looking at her as Smee tied her to the mast. The eyes of all were on the plank, that last little walk they were about to take. They were no longer able to hope that they would walk it manfully or the capacity to think had gone from them. They could only stare and shiver. Hook smiled at them with his teeth closed and took a step forward toward Wendy. His intention was to turn her face so that she could see the boys walking the plank one by one. But he never reached her. He never heard the cry of anguish he hoped to get from her. He heard something else instead. It was the terrible tick, tick of the crocodile. They all heard it, pirates, boys, Wendy, and immediately Every head was turned in one direction, not to the water from where the sound came, but toward Hook. All knew that what was about to happen concerned him alone, and that from being actors, they were suddenly becoming spectators. The sound came steadily nearer and in advance of it came this thought. The crocodile is about to board the ship. Hook crawled on his knees along the deck as far from the sound as he could go. The pirates respectfully cleared a path for him, and it was only when he ran up against the sides that he spoke. Hide me, he cried hoarsely. They gathered round him, all eyes turned away from the thing that was coming on the ship. Only when Hook was hidden from them did curiosity loosen the limbs of the boys so that they could rush to the ship's side to see the crocodile climbing it. Then they got the strangest surprise of this night of nights for it was no crocodile that was coming to their aid. It was Peter. He signed to them not to give any cry of admiration that might rouse suspicion, and then he went right on ticking. And that's the end of this chapter. Good night.